Welcome to episode 876 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 876 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. How you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan. How about yourself? You know, living the dream. Living the dream. Yep. It's a nightmare. It is. <laughs> Local Christchurch weather report. It's been cracking the last few days. It was actually beautiful yesterday, oh, wasn't it? We've been moaning about the shitty summer we've had. We've never had a shitty summer, did we? Yeah, we did. Auckland did. No, we, had, we, yeah, we didn't have as bad as them. Saturday. Normally we go out really early biking. Yep. Well, this, this Saturday I was going to be by myself anyway. Go out at five thirty, something like that. How long are you riding for? F- five or six hours, whatever it is. <sighs> and it's just like I really can't be asked going riding in the dark and the cold. So I delayed it till eight thirty. Yep. Saturday morning's an absolute stunner. Could have gone a bloody four o'clock. Oh, and it would have been too hot. John, question is: So you get home about lunchtime? Uh, what time did I start? Eight thirty. It's about five five hours. Yeah, one one o'clock something like that. So in the afternoon. Does the family get a good version I of John? I was on fire. Tell me Saturday. about it. Within an hour, I was on the driveway, water blasting. Oh, I love water yeah. blasting. Out Saturday night. No, we'll talk about that later oh. on because I was, I was on fire. Okay. Let's go. I'm talking proudly brought to you by? Uh, some of our fantastic patrons. We've got Jonathan the Squeeze Hardison. Lee, 20 Eyes Spore. And then we've got Ross, Give a Lot Little. Uh, if you want to become a patron, go www.imtalk.me. Okay, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. Uh, age group of the week, Coach's Corner. We are going to be talking about my road to build up and another suggested session, sort of session of the, the week, the Iron Weekend. There we go. Our webs of the week, wing of the week, and questions and answers at the end. Okay, we had Ironman Brazil happen over the weekend, and... Uh, pretty small field, yeah, yeah. Um, some good quality performances though. Um, the raging hot favourite, according to Torsten's try ratings, was Laura Sedell. Um, she DNF'd, don't know what happened out there. She was uh, sitting in second place on the bike, about 50k's in, and that's where the tracker finished. Um, haven't seen her post anything, so don't know if it was mechanical, uh, what it was, but uh, she DNF'd, and the winner ended up doing a dojo domination. And a great performance overall. Yeah. Swim 48. Bike yep. 450, run 259 for an 844, which is pretty respectable. Not too shabby at all. It yep. is always a fast day down there. Not always, but almost always a fast day it's down there. over Brazil. 25 minutes. But 844 with no pressure is solid. So that was Pamela Oliveira. Uh, she's currently, she's been to the Olympics twice uh, she, for Brazil. Hasn't performed amazingly well, but she's 35 years old and she was a defending champion and she's won a lot of races. Uh, she won Brazil this year, obviously last weekend. She won Peru 70.3. She was third in Clash Miami. Last year she won Brazil. Um, Challenge and Ironman. She won Brazil and she won challenge, yeah, and Ironman, and uh, got third at Santa Cruz, 70.3, second at Clash Miami. Um, and when you look through her career, there's been a lot of wins. A lot of them are in South America, where you might not get the strongest feel, but a win's a win. And, uh, yeah, really solid performer. She's got one of the best Don't Mess With Me photos on the PTO website. You reckon? Oh, look at don't that face. Don't mess with, with her. Me, yeah. yeah, definitely. I wouldn't uh, mess with her. So I wonder if that, that performance will move her up the rankings. She's currently only ranked 54th. Second was Mariana uh, Andrade. 
Andrade. And third was Alexandra Watt from the States, but they were a long way behind. On the boys' side, um, not surprisingly, had Luciano Tacconi take it out. Uh, he came out of the swim with Ronaldo Colucci in 45-23. Looks like they probably rode together, rode 421-420 respectively, but he put in a 244-20 to win in 755-37 in front of Ronaldo Colucci and Andres Andre Lopez. If we look at the history of this race, and we look at some of the overall winners from the past, Remember Olaf? Olaf Shabustas? Yeah. Yeah? He tried to set up the, what, what not, right. not what's become the PTO, but it was called the, was it the Triathletes Guild? Something was like it? that. Something yeah. like that. It was kind of when we started the podcast. Mm. Remember we, I remember interviewing him at the time, because basically one of the, for those who are newer to the sport, the pros have always kind of been shed on, basically. Mm. But they really never had a voice. And there's been, there was one in the 90s as well, wasn't there? They tried to get something together loosely. Yeah, yeah. and then he tried to do something in the, in the 2000s, and none of them really worked. And, and it wasn't really to the PTO, let's be honest, got a massive financial backer mm. that we're really seeing what we're seeing today. But yeah, he was definitely part of that. What's interesting on that when you look at the results of Ironman Brazil over the years is uh, you've had lots of male repeat winners, but you've not had one single female repeat winner until this year so Oscar Galindez he was a great athlete uh, Olympic distance athlete as well as Ironman um, from Argentina he won it uh, a couple of times Eduardo Stirler he won in 08, 09 and 11? 2011 he was a he was like a bit of a Ferris Sultan he always used to race in uh, Speedos oh did he? yeah Love it. Uh, and he had some good, good you don't see that at all now do you? No, I think Not in the Tim, pros. Uh, what's the fella from Australia Tim, Tim Reid uh, used to is, for a while oh, no, he, well he's still I haven't What's seen him race for a while. Uh, well, isn't it? Yeah, he's he was uh, he he was still going okay, still racing, but he was you know he'll be at the end of his career. You know, yeah, he was, he was yeah. getting on a little bit. I remember interviewing him in Kona. We did it. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Yeah. Uh, world champion one year, thirty eight. Yeah, so, uh, but I think he's still still racing. But Luke McKenzie's won down there. Um, you've had others who've won a couple of times. Uh, so Ronaldo Colucci won there last time. But yeah, plenty of male repeat winners. Um, but on the female side, none until this year. Pamela Oliveira. And we the reason Brazil is also famous, Tim Don at one stage set the overall course record, which still stands at 740.23. And at the time, that was being hailed as the fastest Ironman time of history. It's like, well, hang on a minute. That's right. It's We've got a few others yeah. called Challenge Road. And, uh, and I think... Yeah, that, that's been broken elsewhere as well. Cozumel didn't... Um, yeah, ahead at the time, hadn't it? Mm. And uh, Blumenfeld or Gustav Eden or whoever did break it in Cozumel. Anyway, Tim Don, fantastic race when he did it. There was the one that, um, who was it? Um, who, who's the guy, endurance, sport travel? Ken Glar. Ken Glar used to go there a lot, didn't mm. he? Yeah. Didn't he start the race? Uh, I think he was involved in it. Yeah. I'm sure it's a beautiful part of the world. It'd be cool to go and do it. I'd love to go to Brazil. Yeah, same. Okay, uh, we're coming up this weekend. We've got Ironman Hamburg, and it's got a pretty this good This is field. mouth-watering. Yeah, I reckon. Uh, so why? Because these people haven't qualified? or Well, no, it's it's the, it's the this year it is the European Championships. European Championships. Oh, okay. um, and so some people have to punch their tickets to get to Kona. Or to Nice. Or to Nice. Because um, it's men's only field. Yeah, so Alistair Brownlee is down and he hasn't qualified yet. He's played this game before where he hasn't qualified, but um, you would think that 
if he finishes, he should qualify because um, you've got Max Newman, Jan Fredino, out, uh, who've both automatically qualified. And below Brownlee, you've got uh, Denny Chevro, um, Matt Hansen's qualified, uh, Christian Hogenhard. So Brownlee's going to have to have a bit of a shocker if he's not going to qualify because there's four slots. Uh, so you pretty, you've almost got to finish outside the top probably eight not to qualify um but i, I i'm really surprised so today's monday the race is it'll either be saturday or sunday over there um that there hasn't really been any news about this this is like an amazing lineup when you've got brownlee and fredino biggest names of the sport and max newman who uh, we all know yep. won the recent race so you've got the the new one coming through the legend of iron distance and the legend of um of short course going head to head it should be just mental because they probably will come out of the swim together. Um, Max Newman, you'd think, will probably keep up, but he, he's t- typically maybe a little bit behind. But if the, if there's not too much argy-bargy, you think he might get on their feet. Uh, and you'd think they'll probably bike together. And you think the way Brownlee tries to ride pretty aggressively and slams it on the front. Mm. And then it'll come down to the run. And, and who knows what the hell happens. I think Fredino will be a lot better than what he was in the first race in Ibiza. Uh, and Max Newman, I don't think he's really got a point to prove. He did great in Kona and he did great, obviously, in Ibiza. But when you're racing up against these... Uh, what you love to call as the goats. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be such a buzz for him. And there's lots of other good dudes in the field as well. You know, Denny Chevro, Florian Gert, Matt Hansen, um, Christian Hogenhauk. So, yeah, I'm really surprised the media hasn't got onto this a little bit sooner because we don't see Fredino race very often. And we won't see him race much longer too. No, well, this yeah. is it. Yeah, yeah. This will be this and, and Nice, you would assume, plus whatever else he decides to do. Um, but in terms of iron distance, this might be his second to last ever Ironman. Wow. So, John, I'm very excited to see what I know Brownlee's had a couple of great performances in his Ironman career, but do you think he's got the wrong temperament for the sport? Um, uh, yes and no. It just, I don't know, he just doesn't seem to run that well. He seems to be able to handle it on the bike. Yeah, but we look at the PTO race, and I know beginning of the season or the rest of it, mm. he didn't run wise, did he? No, but he's in it to win, and when he's on fire, he can sustain that sort of effort. You know, when we saw him take off on the run. When he's at full fitness, he can go, he can hold that. Okay. He's obviously not at full peak fitness, and it's like. Do you think he likes the stuff? I wonder. I'd love to know. He, he probably he, he doesn't care too much for getting second, third, fourth. It's like I'm here. I'm here to win, and if I don't win, I'm going to fight. Yeah, find but an Ironman, you've got to play the game a little bit. Mm, true, true. Yeah, you can't be a short course runner mm. when you're doing an Ironman run, mm. and, and maybe seven point three, you can get away with that. But an Iron Distance. Mm. You're playing. You're playing the chessboard much differently. Oh, love him to crush it, crush it here, and then everyone will get them all built up. It'll just make the build up to Nice so much better. Do you think he enjoys it? I wonder. I'd love to know if he enjoys long stuff. Mm. You know, because he was such a man at his peak. He was awesome to watch, wasn't he? Oh, unbeatable, pretty just, much, and just a like that Olympic medal. Was it, was it London? Who he just attacked from the mm. just attacked all day. He didn't need to. Could no. have said in the pack. He was the best runner there. No. Just to keep on and smacking everyone in the face. So it's a male-only uh, race, uh, 75 grand, but it is a European champs. So I don't think they'll care too much about the money. It's about getting the bragging rights, um, and they'll be getting paid. I'm sure they'll be getting paid appearance fees for being there because this will be big coverage. Um, it's normally held in Frankfurt, the European Championships. So it's been changed? Uh, this, uh, uh, I think... Is Frankfurt still happening? I think 
it is, and I think that'll probably be the women's championship. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, with, with zero research, but we haven't seen Hamburg being a male-only championship race. Would you expect from more slots rate. from a championship race? Or mm. this late in the season, four is enough? Uh, four is enough. And when, you, and when you look down that list, you see who's already qualified. He's already got about five or six. Yeah. yeah. So, going to be great. Really looking forward to it. Surprise, there's not more coverage, and hopefully that picks up during the week because... Uh, can't say I'll be glued to the coverage because it's in the middle of the night, but I'll be certainly uh, intrigued to see. What and it's happens. on Sunday the fourth. Okay, so we also have a couple of races happening. We do, um, and one of those is a new event. Well, it's a new full distance race, Challenge Career. I saw um, good old guy, oh, yeah, guy, guy Crawford. Yeah, um, Crawford. Crawford um, he works for Blue Seventy. Is heading over there. I don't know if there's a pro race or if he's just going over there. He's to to do some sponsorship stuff. But it looks like a really cool venue, so check out Challenge Career. Uh, a couple of laps on the swim. On the bike, it says the bike along the world's longest 33.9-kilometre um, seawall within an eco-environment. Wow. Um, so I'm picking that's kind of like a really smooth, fast bike path that you'll be going along there. Um, so maybe expect some good fast times. But it looks like a beautiful place. So check it. If you want to go somewhere different, go to challenge career uh, a couple of other bits and pieces on this weekend another beautiful race not iron distance but called the alps man in annecy in france a uh, beautiful part of the world uh, if you want to go and do sort of a mountainy type race they go up the i think they got the semnos which is a climb directly next to annecy in fact i watched tour de france on that climb in 1990 was it with cheryl crow that was the day no it was not with cheryl crow it was uh, no, it was well, well before those days. We were over there racing, and this was the day of the Festina scandal. You oh, put, you put, I've read the book, Breaking the Chain. Yeah, yeah. And this was the day that the riders went on strike. The and riders went on strike. Why? And because the, basically all the teams were getting raided, uh, and uh. they just said, "This is ridiculous. We're trying to do the Tour de France, and you're coming and whacking on our doors." In the middle of the night, and it's like, and you're catching us, so we're going to catch us. And so they said, We're not riding today. And we were standing up on this mountain all day long, and they eventually did ride, but they'd all taken their numbers off and just just rode this part of the stage and just rode past. So it wasn't particularly exciting, but beautiful place to go and watch. When that happened, because Breaking the Chain was a massive book at the time, Mm. how did it not get stomped on? What do you mean? When was that, 99? It was just so institutionalised. Because, you know, we had the whole Lance period, and Lance is the worst of the bunch, but they were doing it. Oh, no, they were way worse than Lance uh, in in the sort of 80s and 90s. Uh, Even earlier. Yeah. I don't know why it didn't get... People were getting arrested and going to jail, and they still carried on. Yeah. Uh, But... It was just so institutionalised. All the managers were into it. All the coaches were into it. All the riders were into it. Everyone thought they had to do it. But I think it just over time it has been weeded out, and there was a great. Do you, do you think it is it's gone now? No, it's not gone. But, it's, but like there was a great way. comment at the weekend from Garrett Thomas, who uh, got second in the Giro, which He's was amazing Scottish. to watch. Uh, he is Welsh, Welsh, and he was getting interviewed, and they said um, oh, there's some riders from the 80s and 90s that are sort of criticising you guys for not for not attacking each other too much. He kind of said, "Well, the guys from the 80s and 90s." Um, we're doing things that we're not doing these days that we're pretty proud of. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he bazinga them because um, I remember was it in that book? Um, who was the who was the legendary guy from like the seventies? Eddie Merckx. Yeah, Merckx. And they're talking mm. about just one day 
I think it was in this book. So one day it was Merck's breakfast. I'd, I'd hear something in his breakfast that would basically his eyes the, be popping out. It is what one the wrong guy ate his breakfast. Because <laughs> <laughs> whoa, what's happened here? <laughs> yeah. no, those were crazy days. So. Okay, so another big race. We we go to the, the short course stuff over the weekend. We had the World Triathlon Championship Series in how to say that Cagliari, and I think I've been saying it was in Spain, but it's actually in Italy. So, but heartbreaking for us Kiwis. Uh, yes and no. Let's we'll look at the females first because okay. I think we need to look out for Emma Lombardi. I mean, she's already arrived, but she is still really new to triathlon, and she finished in second place for the second time at this event behind Georgia Taylor Brown. Still really new to the game, uh, and young? kept up with her young. Uh, only been and, and she won the world championships short the junior worlds in her first ever Olympic distance triathlon or under twenty three worlds. In uh, her so, first ever. First ever Olympic distance. She would have done some short, short course, course still, but uh, she is. You know, when you're thinking a year out from the Olympics, she's got a year of progression. She could be a serious threat come. Paris. And does that also help the French team? Like, is the French team good enough? Uh, the French team's awesome, and and, and this is another point. That it, so many people are going to get absolutely screwed for the next Olympics, that are the, especially on the American team. They've got so many good females and the Brits. Uh, some very, very good athletes are going to miss out. So George Taylor-Brown did uh, end up winning that race and did it relatively comfortably in the end, sort of pulled away on the, the sort of closing stages of the run. Emma Lombardi had a fantastic race and then Taylor Spivey also did amazingly well. So she's currently ranked number one Taylor Spivey uh, off that third place and some good consistency consistent races and you know she didn't make the last Olympics um, Cassandra Bolgrand was in fourth from France um, but yes yeah, and it was a good good race because the females got away and they just uh, the break um, stuck. The females what do you mean the females? Oh, I'm sorry the, the, the break got away and, yeah. and it kind of stuck and they worked together and just shut some really good athletes out of the race um, that were in that second group so the fastest of the second group could only get up to fourth place so they went fourth fifth and sixth uh, so Good on them for uh, for keeping the pressure on. Now, when we look at the men's race, you took out Hayden. And oh, Ra- just before the men's race, oh. uh, and we'll go, we'll go on to that in a minute. So, yep, men's race. So, so are they just a bit, a bit, a bit above everyone else? Not a bit, a lot above oh, really? everybody else. So okay. Hayden, Hayden Wild and, and Alex. So, tell Steve. us about the race. Uh, yeah, look, look, I think the danger signs for everybody else in the world is, is Hayden Wild. And Alex G, their swimming seems to have gone up just a notch this season. Like Hayden Wild's made the front group um, both both races, uh, and Alex G was was there as well. This race did seem the swim seemed to stay together um, a lot more than normal. Um, but if those two come off the bike within Kui of the leaders or in game the over. front group, it is game over. You know they're, they're thirty to forty seconds in front of the rest, and the others are still. Awesome runners. Look at the times they're doing. Um, so yeah, they ran. Alex G ran twenty eight thirty, and and Hayden Wild just a couple of seconds slower than that. So it's not quite all over because the Frenchies are fantastic swimmers, and if they can get a break and get it to stick, um, they're the you know they they only pr- they need sort of forty five seconds to make it really interesting. So I think we've still got some cool races coming up. But if it does come down to a running event, uh, and if Alex G and Hayden Wild are on form, it is all over Rover. But is it? Like, is ye just a little bit better still? It's annoyingly so, and it's you just hope it's not going to turn into one of those battles where it's, you know, we've had like a Brad Bevan versus Hamish Carter. Brad Bevan was always, not always, but 
almost always just a little bit better. Yep. Or um, I don't know, in other sports you have people like uh, you know, Lance Armstrong and you had Jan Ulrich and Jan yeah. Ulrich was just always a little bit behind. You just if he wasn't there, it won everything. Yeah, it'd be the same for Hayden Wild. So, but where could Hayden like if you're a, if you're a, and I know triathlon's a funny thing because different races, different outcomes. But if you're Hayden's coach, how would you attack Alex? Well, you've got to hope. Well, not hope, but keep keep working on the swim, and because sometimes Alex, you may miss the group, but equally Hayden Wild might as well. Um, it's really tricky because Alex Yee's really upped his game on the bike and it doesn't seem that you can necessarily drop people okay. on the bike. So it's just a case of uh, improving the, on the run. You know, uh, they did stay together until 100 metres to go and yeah, Alex yeah, has just got that little extra kick. You know, it's not much. Is he trying to break him? Uh, they're both trying to break each other a few times. So it's not like he's way better, just that tensy bit better. Is, is enough uh, but Alex Yee will have, a, have an, an average day and if Aiden Wilde has a good day and he has an average day Aiden Wilde will take him down but if they both have good days 8 or 9 times out of 10 you'd, you'd put your money on Alex Yee but uh, yeah it's great to have a rover it's great to just have head to head racing was, was it an awesome race? oh yeah it was just head to head you know boom, yeah. you're just going can Hayden Wilde do it uh, and hopefully we see some more of that in some of these PTO races because the, you know when you do get Close races, but they're you know twenty meters apart. Yeah. It's just not such great viewing. But when you're they're head to head, you're just like, what is going to happen next? So it was, it was good, a good event. So you were going to say something Ari. before. Oh, this was the other thing. Yeah, it's, it's it's I find it a really hard watch when you see former weapons legends just going terribly and just going, my God, you should have retired a few years ago. Oh, really? So we got Mario Mola, and uh, he hasn't done anything since COVID, and I think he, he DNF'd. Uh, Richard Murray was the same. Gwen Jorgensen was just abysmal again. And this is nothing personal. Yeah, it's no, just like just, done commenting on her performance. Yeah. Like she's off the back. She got lapped out on the bike. You know, this is an Olympic champion getting lapped out on the bike. How long was she stuck at it? Well, she's not going to make the American team. This, this is like... Just about zero chance. Huh. Even if she has a couple of good races, the other American females, and they're not in the middle of the pack. Yeah. They are at the front of the field. So how does she still get into race? Uh, she's going to struggle because if, if some of the other Americans race, she'll, she'll be out. Um, like but even this, these races, like... Cause, she's cause, got just enough. Well, she, somehow she must have accrued some points because she did do some racing in New Zealand. Okay. Uh, she did a World Cup and she did some other ones where she just must have accrued just enough to get in. Okay. But... When you go to other events and all of the top athletes are there, she won't get a start. So um, like missing from this race, we had some of our Kiwis were missing. They'd be ranked above her. Yep. Um, you had um, Taylor Nib was missing. You had some of the Brits were missing. So you know, normally she won't get a start. Um, and Alistair Brown, not Alistair, Jonathan Brownlee was there. He was out the back door as well. Um, Gustav Eden still can't can't make it. Blumenfeld was was off the pace in the swim. He run was running okay, but it's still not. Even if he's running, yeah, even if he made the front group, which he didn't, uh, he's still not not up the front there. So yeah, there was some. Whilst there was some awesome performances, there was some quite depressing stuff as well. Johnny Brownlee, will he make the Olympics? Uh, I think he probably will. He said he wants to go if he's going to be competitive, and there's not many Brits behind, other than Alex Yee yep. that are really putting the hand up, going "pick me, pick me." Okay. So I think he, yeah, whether or not they get three spots, I'm not quite sure at the moment. It is August next year, isn't it? It's around the end, isn't it? Uh, it is on the twenty eighth of 
August, I think. Oh, no, of July. When is it too late? Like, not for Johnny, because let's say for an up-and-comer coming through, when do they really need to have showed their, their kind of, that they're up to that level? You need to be doing it this year, but people like Johnny Brownlee, they're probably, he's probably pitching more for the mixed team relay. Okay. Like, realistically. Uh, he'd have, uh, if he got in a breakaway. Is he a top tenner still? Um, yeah, he is. He's a top tenner. But in a breakaway, he's got a chance. So yeah. if they got a break with a couple of Frenchies and they just drill the bike, got a minute to a minute and a half, he's a chance at a medal. Yeah. But at the moment, he's There's not. a lot of things have to go right. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go into One Challenge up. London. This is exciting. It looks like they've got a good course. Yeah, well, so London, they've had the London Triathlon for a long time and now they're partnered up with Challenge. So it's gonna be, and they're going to change the course that's coming up on the 6th of August. Um, but that'll be big exposure for, for Challenge. Uh, so Challenge London, check it out. It's not just going to be the London Triathlon. You are going to be challenged. The pros are excited. Just kind of cool to have some big city races. I mean, I don't, I've never done that event. I uh, don't know if the course is that riveting, but just cool to have some uh, downtown races where you would assume they'll get some pretty awesome spectators. It's kind of bringing triathlon to, to the mainstream. So uh, even, if you're, <laughs> even if you're pissing off the public by closing roads and stuff like that, at least people will be uh, recognising our sports. So good on them. Challenge London coming up on August the 6th. Do, um, was the London triathlon around when you were there? It was, yeah, it's been around forever. And uh, I'm sure it's changed a bit over the years. It yeah, used to be an Olympic distance race. Uh, it had reasonable prestige. Uh, don't recall it ever being a World Cup or a World Championship Series race. And you just weren't doing triathlon at that time? Uh, no, not really. Yeah. No, no. you wouldn't so, win it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. probably definitely. <laughs> okay, let's get into this week's discussion. What piece of tri gear did you buy then ditch only after a couple of uses? And I know we've probably done this one before, but it's, it's, well, a, lots good, of it's, it's, it's a goodie. Okay, so uh, it's got horns. It's got uh, between Aero Bar water bottle mount. And then Christine McKinley come back and she said, what was that stupid mesh thing about? Yeah. So if people don't know what Profile we're talking used about. To have, didn't it? Yeah, you used to have a bottle of, between Aero Bars and instead of it, like these days, you've got the little lid where you can kind of pour your water in. It was just like this mesh thing, so you kind of just spray it. splash it all the time, didn't it? Yeah. Um, Kirk Raditz it says, the X-Lab behind the saddle water bottle holder. I think it contributed to a broken saddle rail, plus it doubled as a bottle launcher when you hit a bump. I've got an X-Lab, but mine's pretty good. However, piece of advice for everybody, we'll have said this before, if you've got behind the, the seat bottles, Make sure that you have some elastic, good strong elastic, over the top of the bottle so it doesn't come off like a bottle launcher. But is it easy enough to put on when you put the bottles back in? Yeah, yeah. It is? Okay. I mean, I, I won't be drinking out of those bottles very much. They'll be my refill bottles. Um, so I'll only take them on and off a couple of times and they'll be filling up my front front ones. Okay. But you definitely, yes, you need to have a rub band, a strong rub band over them. Joe Bell's got uh, bought. A used Cyclops Hammer Smart Trainer for a great price and literally never used it. It sat in the garage next to my trusty Jet Fuel Pro, a Fluid Pro, for over a year until I sold it to a friend. I wanted to try Zwift, but realized I don't care about turning my training into a video game. <laughs> Come and get with the program, Joel. Zwift, where it's all at these days, yeah, or online it's where training. Are. Yeah, I've got to admit, first few times I did Zwift, I was like, this is stupid. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're I, I, I grew to love it. Grew to love. Well, I grew, grew to like uh, indoor training. Uh, Sam Brown, Samuel Brown says compression gear. Uh, it certainly is not as popular as it used to be, but I still uh, love my compression socks. Yeah, they were big for a while. Uh, Rob Dalymore has got Newton running shoes. Yeah, but you know what's funny? We've got one of our coaches, Alex Williams, 
And she was, she won Oceana Marathon, Auckland mm-hmm. Marathon. She was a very good runner. Mm. And she loves them. She still buys them. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, this is what people have bought and thrown yeah. them out. Same as um, the first two I've done, Samuel Brown's in compression gear. I still use mine. Kirk said the X-Lab, I still use mine. But other people... You don't like it. Well, Twin like Swanson's also got the Case West Triathlon running shoes. Remember those? Yeah. They were big for a moment. It was when Gina was sponsored by them. Oh, they sponsored heaps of people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Parrott says the long tail aero helmet with no ventilation. My head would cook during a hot Ironman. Good old Ronnie Jeff. Ollie Jenner's got the red compression shorts I wore for Rote 2017. When they got wet, the dye ran down my legs and all over my shoes. It won't be happening this year and my new I Am Talk suit to wear I'd remember that <laughs> I think it was a white top and red shorts and it just ran it just ran <laughs> everywhere uh, Ed Banks waterproof headphones the idea of swimming to music was way better than the reality I reckon I'd crash into the wall if I had music in the pool I think I would be absolutely hopeless with it well Will Hoggard's got the same thing it's got Hoggarth it's got uh, swimming headphones for me. I thought they'd be great for long swim, especially in the endless pool, but no, just a pain in the ass. Music upset my stroke, and the quality wasn't good enough for podcasts. I had to borrow, one time on one of their camps, mm. someone had some, and I borrowed them. And you could hear, but it was almost like a gluggy, you right. know? Yeah, it was a bit There's odd. someone in the pool this morning with them on. Yeah. I was told him to pull his head in and swim properly. <laughs> uh, Julian Swartz, on-course goggles. When, I haven't even heard of on-course goggles. When they worked, they were actually kind of helpful, but problem... They never worked for long. Plus, looked like an absolute tool calibrating them. Think aircraft carrier, flight deck, signal man, oh, and wearing them. Think birth control glass. I haven't heard of those. I'll do another one while you look it up. Uh, Will Hogarth, swimming headphones for me. Um, they, I thought they'd be great on long swims. Oh, you, you just did that one. Uh, what else? I don't know, but look at these goggles. I don't think they're actual goggles, but uh, come on, photos, come up, come up, come up, come up, come kill me here. Um, uh, Rebecca Jocelyn says, form goggles, really annoying. I really love my form goggles. Mick oh, yeah. um, Simpson says, metronome for the pool, one that goes under your swim cap. People in the pool complained about the noise, so a metronome, that they are good for getting your rhythm and getting your stroke rate and being able to maintain it, but they are pretty annoying. So they just beep, and it's like every time it beeps, you've got to be doing a stroke. Uh, Andy Mole. Mayo's got on-cloud running shoes. Oh, yep. There, and there. It's got the, you have to stop every five minutes to get the stones out of the grooves and the sole. Sounds mm. like you're running pure of, running with high heels on. Yeah, so they're, but they're, the, the on shoes are the ones that are sponsoring the um, the Norwegians at the moment. So I've never actually run them before, but they look like they've kind the of got circles, bars, eh? yeah. and bars in them. So yeah, getting stones in them they would be problematic. Sadowski, it's got clip-on aero bars through the balance out. Too unstable. He's got <laughs> Joe, his foot off his bike, but, but his bike looks like a BMX with coupon bars <laughs> on. So. Joe Lee's a running belt that held the little water bottles was Jiggle Central. Yeah, you got to go quality with those running belts. Uh, if you get the crappy ones, uh, they're woeful. Good old Tom, Toby Chanel has got a split nose saddle that actually are exactly as uncomfortable as you think they'd be when you're looking at them. Have you ever tried them? Oh, mine's split set, split nose saddle. The one yeah. where it's got the two. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Oh. Um, and and this is why it's horses for courses. Well, it, it, it totally got to try these things. But we don't have to, but if work for some people, won't work for others. But for me, in the TT position, it's just the right width, um, and it just works. Uh, it's just so much more comfortable sitting up. Not so comfortable, but uh, way better for me than a, than a regular seat. But that is just personal preference but lots of people like them so but toby does not which is absolutely fine uh what else 
Speed fuel hydration system from Bernard. What would that be? What was that, sorry? Speed fuel hydration system. Is that the one at the back? Could be. Yeah. Uh, Greg Bramwell, one-piece tri-suit. They're not meant for 60-plus-year-old age groupers. <laughs> Mate, uh, Greg, Greg's a sharp-looking guy. Yeah. He could pull it off. Yeah. Come on, Greg, back yourself. You can do that. Uh, last one I'll do. Paul Fitzpatrick, profile design, little aero down to bottle. It's such a strong seal that you had to squeeze it hard, at which point you choked on the resulting fluid rushing at you. Also realised for longer races with aid stations, not having a standard cage was more of a pain than the likely aero gain. So I'm pretty sure from memory what that was. You kind of had your bottle on your, your sort of your down tube, and I think it was like insulated, and then it had a tube that would come up uh, through your aero bars, and you'd squeeze it to, to get the fluid out. And as you're saying, if you squeeze too hard, that pressure just blows your bloody tonsils off. Hey, John, what's yours? Well, and I will have said this one before, uh, the Vibram Five Fingers uh, is something that I used infrequently. Do you ever still run barefoot? No. If I was a full-time athlete, I would, and I would use the Five Fingers, even though you look like a complete tool. I'd probably put a balaclava on and go down to the park. <laughs> that makes it look more like a tool. That's true. <laughs> put compression socks on uh, and the five fingers, a balaclava and maybe a Did you singlet, enjoy running singlet. in them? I, I like them. I just don't use them. So this was sort of topic was something you bought. They did work for me. You just don't use you them. You don't see them at all now, do you? Never, never. You know, uh, I've not seen anybody running barefoot or in five fingers. But as a running drill, fantastic. How often, a percentage of weeks training, what would you spend? If I was, oh, not much. I'd be yeah. using it for sort of warm up and doing some drills. And that'd be, you know, if I had the time to be running five times a week and I'd be maybe doing a track session once a week or something like that, you got the time to go down to the park and run some easy laps in them, I'd do it. It's a fantastic strengthening exercise. But for the time crunched athlete that pretty much all of us are, uh, it's something, you know, you got to let some things drop. And that was one of them. But um, yeah, don't see anybody wearing those anymore. I'm always, I've always decided not to be the guy who jumped on the new thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's always a new thing which, you know, for 15 months is absolutely huge. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the five things, barefoot running. Yeah. There was a moment where I remember the, yeah. I remember the Christchurch Marathon. I was commentating the Christchurch Marathon. Freezing day. <laughs> like, absolutely freezing. And this guy who was not an athlete, he was quite an overweight, probably about 6'4, probably holding 115 keg, mm. running barefoot. Yeah. And I was thinking, that hey. same guy did the coast to coast barefoot as well. Oh, did he really? Yeah. And you just think, mate, you're not innovative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, anything else for you? No, that was the main thing that I had on. on Mine was I bought when I did my first triathlon. You know what it is? You go to the, you go to um, the what expo. Is it, the expo. Yeah, and you don't know what you're doing, so you buy yeah. everything. Yeah, and I bought the Sphere swim goggles. Oh, the one-piece ones, sort of the ones that go all the way across? Yeah, they almost they look yeah. really big. Like a, It's almost like a diving mask. Yeah, yeah. A mini diving mask. Do they still do this around? Uh, the company's still around. They do they do really good goggles, um, and I'm pretty sure they still do that that sort of full goggle. And the idea was, you know, you can't really see that well when you're swimming. In the yeah. Lake, so you need these, or must be true. Yeah. So I bought them, and I used them once. I used them on the race. And I would, have, I would have thought that they were, I've never tried them. I would have thought they would have been quite good. Um, not very... Hydrodynamic in terms of, uh, but yeah, great feel. Well, you just really at the end of the day, you don't need them. Yeah, no, no. you see, you find enough as it is. Yeah. So there was that, and probably if I'm going to flip this, the one thing I bought, which I thought would be a waste of money, but was actually really great, was the bento box. Oh, yep. You know, 
mm-hmm. was, you know, like, because I remember I bought that at the same expo mm-hmm. and I use it for years. Mm. You know, One other piece of equipment that I don't use anymore, and again, I would if it was bit more practical was the slushy bottles um do you remember those yeah um, but you, we, we, um, larson didn't didn't they yeah yeah um, paul, paul larson uh and they were really again it was a really good product but it's but just not just practical melt? yeah they, they did and like you kind of the point where you wanted is in t2 and stuff yeah so if you were doing a different sort of endurance event where you could access it easily or you could get it handed off to you i think they're fantastic the science is there they're really, so really how did good. it work uh geez i can't it, it, it just made it's sort of a ice slushy, uh, and so I can't remember if you put it. You put it in the freezer, and it sort of only par froze it, and it would end up. Being and, and it was easy to distribute, like the, the bottle head was easy. Oh to yeah, it was nice slushy. wide. It was a nice wide mouth. Um, so it was it was really good, and it worked. It's just the practical. Because Daniel Pews has kind of made a big name for himself. Uh, he went back to Canada, Canada I think. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. He's you know he's an academic. I'm not sure if he stayed in that field or yeah. what the story was. Because he was kind of you know, he was a yeah. very intelligent man. Um, okay, so there you go. So those this week's question. Now, th- when I read this, I thought, what are you thinking? Because this is going to get a lot of big answers. It's fine. No. Okay. The question enough. is. What is your race day iron distance nutrition plan? Sharing the love because it much like lots of these products we've been talking about today, people are saying split bloody seats, useless. I'm saying it's great. People are saying form goggles are useless. I'm saying they're great. Nutrition plans, you get all the nutritionists saying this is what you should be doing. We all know that that maybe gives you a starting point and then there's lots of other ways to figure out your formula to, to do it. So figuring out your formula. So sharing, sharing the love. But like we shared the Spotify list the other day that really didn't work very well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll try again. Try, try again. We love sharing the love. Okay, John. John's quiz question. Okay, I think it's quite a good one this week. What year did Daniela Reef first do Kona and what place did she finish? Okay. And that's I'm a pretty really good sure question. we were there. Well, well, We'll okay, go we'll, to that. We'll talk about that. We need a pause because I need to pull the next stuff up. Okay, pull something up. Here we go. Okay, let's go Pro of the Week. We're going to look at India Lee. India Lee. Who is India Lee, John? Well, she's currently ranked 13th on the PTO rankings, age 34, 172 centimetres high. Uh, when's her birthday is... Happy birthday, tomorrow India. Tomorrow, New Zealand time. She's 31st be, of May. How will she be? She will be 35. 35. And she has been around for a little while. The reason I was giving her Pro of the Week is she won the Challenge Championship last weekend. Uh, did we talk about that? The weekend before last? Yeah, we did. Okay. Uh, no, not. It was the weekend before last. Oh, okay. Uh, and she swam 24. Uh, she biked 205 and ran a 123. Uh, got some good points there. So that's probably boosted her up. I'm not sure where she was ranked prior to last weekend. Uh, she won by two minutes over Caroline Pohl from Germany and Sarah Perez Sala. Um, so, really good performance. Um, it's an interesting career. Like, if we look early on, she did pretty well. Like before COVID, so she won seventy point three Weymouth. She won she, a lot of seventy point threes. Yeah, Finland uh, Weymouth again. Um, well, she won her very first seventy point three race that she ever did in twenty eighteen. So she was Weymouth. a short course athlete. How good was she in that level? So yeah, in terms of her short course background, uh, she's one of those athletes that almost made it, didn't quite make it. Okay. She uh, she started doing uh, racing in 2013 where she got ninth place at the Great Britain Duathlon National Championships. Uh, she, oh crack, I know she went on to do the Europeans. She did win the European champs back in 
2016 at Cagliari, which is where we had the, um, well, she won a World Cup, sorry, in Cagliari in 2016, which is where the World Tri Series was at the weekend. Uh, she won the European Championships a few weeks after that in Lisbon. Um, but typically, when she was doing a lot of the um, sort of World Tri Series races, um, yeah, not not usually in the top ten. You, you often sort of. 10 and 15, uh, had some good performances at some World Cup races, a few podiums here and there, uh, obviously liked Cagliari because she went back there in 2018 and got third, let's just see, and that was a sprint distance race, um, but the problem she's got is she races for Great Britain, yep. and to make the Great Britain team is bloody difficult, when she got uh, third at that World Cup in Cagliari, Taylor Spivey beat her, and Lisa uh, so yeah, really good athlete that's sort of been around for a while. Seems to be, you know, starting to find her feet at the well, found her feet a while ago, but seventy point three. But just seems to have stepped it up a bit uh, in recent times. She did try doing one Ironman in Israel last year. Uh, she finished in sixth place in a nine oh two. 59, um, which is not terrible, but it was a fast day, and Ruth Astle just spanked everybody. She went uh, 8.41, but she still beat some some good athletes on that, that day. Don't know if her future is going to be looking at any iron distance races. She seems pretty settled on the 70.3s, but India Lee is, uh, yeah, certainly a name to watch out for at any 70.3 races. a question for you. Do we, will 70.3 ever be respected as much as short course in Ironman? Uh, well, I think the PTO races will in, in time. Um, and the 70.3 Worlds has a lot of kudos, but it's just so... But you know, like you think of the legends of the sport, and admittedly they do a bit of everything, mm. but uh, even Ironman or short course. Mm. You know, you don't go, oh, that guy who was the... Who's the greatest 70.3 racer of all time? Um, well, you'd probably say in recent times Gustav Eden you know, he's just yeah, about, just about undefeated uh, on the female side uh, is there somebody that's been really dominant no people will come and go but Ashley Gentle is moving into that sphere pretty quickly it's just interesting it's kind of like the poor cousin mm. you know what I mean like it's because it's, it's arguably the, the best race yeah, uh, the, the, uh, I think we are going to see the the PTO races yeah, you know, just elevate it. And the World Championships, there's, there's a lot of prestige with that, but there's just so many 70.3 races, and we skim over them every week. You know, they're just here, there, do and everywhere. Do you think Ironman are better off doing like an eight-race series? Uh, I really don't think they care. <laughs> no, for the pros. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so but imagine yeah. if they did. Imagine if Ironman were to say... You have we the grand slam, well, a bit yeah, like PTO. Yeah, yeah, like have eight races. Mm. Well, how many races would be too many in a year? Well, it depends if you took the PTO out, but you'd say maybe six, I reckon. Okay, would be so about six right. races with championship race at the end. Mm. It's the whole Grand Slam sort of formula all over again, which is exactly what PTO are trying to do. Uh, so yeah, PTO is catering to that level of racing, aren't they? They but don't have any with Ironman. No. Show me the money. They don't really care about us. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, very interesting stuff. So that's India Lee is our pro, pro of the week. Of the week. We're going to do Age Group of the Week. Are we still uh, going to? Uh, yeah. Let's, let's do it. I yeah. just want to give a bit of love to people, so the age groupers who went to Ibiza. So, um, the World Championship. Championship. So, Bevan, your job is to yeah, pick here we go. a couple of random age groupers, and we will. We're doing triathlon, long, long course. Long course, yep. Long course. Uh, so, okay, I'm going to go, go oh, I always go for my age group. So, male 45 to 49. I okay. looked at this the other day and thought, wowzers, I would not be very competitive in that race. We had David Navarro. Sudan from Espana, 
take it out in a 6.09. He swam 51 minutes, this was for 3k, biked a 3.16 for 116k's, ran a 1.54 for 30k's. That's moving. That's pretty decent for, was 78, so he's uh, 45, just gone into the age group. Uh, solid performance, won by six minutes. Claudia Peters won the age group of 20 to 24 female in a time Going of... for the youngies, eh, yeah, That's right, man. 20, uh, 26, 50, 26, dojo domination. She won by over 22 minutes. Okay, I'm going to do one more and then you do one more. I'm going to go females, 50 to 54. And we had... Elizabeth Ricard, take that out from France. She did seven hours, 35, won by just about four and a half minutes. And she swam 58, biked 356, and ran a 231. Well, I've gone to 64 to 60 to 64, and I've got Kevin Howard Bixley uh, from Great Britain. Pretty good race, really. He won by 10 minutes over second place to Christopher Doyle from Luxembourg, I think it is. Uh, But they were, he was over. 20 minutes ahead of third, so those two were, well, well, it was another 10 minutes back to third, so basically Kevin was pretty dominant, really. He did a time of 6.46.04, and uh, pretty impressive day out there. Nice work. Good work, everybody who went to the Ibiza World Long Distance Championships. Next year, it is being held in Townsville in Australia. I heard you're going to go to it because you don't like to point three teams. <laughs> and I'm going there because more competitive field as well. Exactly. I <laughs> that's the case. Okay, let's go into Coach's Corner. So John has got route coming up in... 25th of June. Jeepers, creepers, so less than a month. Um, so what, last week your biggest week training? Uh, they're all pretty decent at the moment. But yeah, when do you taper? Um, it's kind of a funny taper when you go over there because we'll taper before we go and then build it back up for a few days and then taper again just because of the travel and climatisation and camp and stuff. So this week is sort of the last big session. So, Okay, and he's been talking about some of the sessions he's been doing leading up to the, to his Ironman racing and we've talked about his half distance running race days, his long runs and stuff. But last weekend you did an Iron Weekend. So this is uh, what I'd really recommend a lot of people do, um, and it is, as Bevan said, uh, it's, an iron, well, it's an iron weekend, so you're swimming on Friday, you do a 3.8k swim, whatever that is in miles, a 2.4 mile swim, uh, preferably you do that open water, but we can't at the moment. Saturday you bike the iron distance race, so 180 kilometres, or what is it, 112 miles, and then Sunday run around about three hours, uh, maybe a touch longer. How far are you going three hours on a, on a training run? Uh, well, I ran a marathon, basically. Yeah. Uh, so why do it? Pretty straightforward. Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, but also just, you know, fantastic training weekend. You're doing the run uh, in a fatigued state. Um, do you open water swim? Well, I would if it was in summer. Course, yeah, and yeah. so I'd, I'd strongly encourage people to open water swim. Uh, however, we did not. Uh, so, yeah, basically just running in a fatigued state. And also when you're doing the swim and the bike, a, doing the distance, but B, doing it at race pace. So lots of people will go out and do 180 kilometres, but they might do it as a group ride, yep. whereas this is intended to be, you know, majority of it at race pace. And what's your power? Uh, race pace power. Yeah, what's yeah. that? Um, for me, 230, 235 watts. Okay. Um, and then likewise with the swim. A lot of us will go to the pool and a lot of people will swim 3 to 4K workouts, but how often do you actually go there and do a 3.8K continuous swim very often based off my experience so it's a chance to do the full weekend more or less at race pace and uh and a get some good training get in the zone 
Lots of time on the arrow bars. Bevan's got his finger up. I know, I know you're going to break down different areas. What's challenging about it? Uh, just holding the power for, for a long period of time when you're solo. You know, I did mine almost all solo yep. and just concentrating. And I'll go into some of the, you know, you can do some cheats if you want to, but just holding the constant power. Okay. Just all the way just through. Just being consistent. Because you just don't do it that often. Not for that long. Yeah, you do it. You know, you might do some two hours or you might do some three-hour rides, but doing 180 kilometers is, is tricky. Uh, so why to do it? Sort of went over that. When to do it? We're about, we were about five weeks out. So I'd be suggesting to most people doing it around about five weeks out. And then if you're experienced, um, about 10 weeks out would be a good time to do it as well. The 10 week out one, you might do it down a couple of notches, but, but still doing that weekend. So that's when to do it. Another question for you. You say when to do it. Do you try to swim later on the Friday or does it not matter? doesn't matter too much. Okay. And if you were somebody that had... Um, plenty of time and if you've got good daylight certainly wouldn't be a dumb idea to do the swim and then straight on the bike but at the moment for us and okay. family and stuff so not, do it not two days, practical not three. yeah um in terms of adding some structure to it uh, and this is where i may be going i may be going to that when i sort of talk about how i did it but in terms of the structure of it what i'd recommend is with the swim you basically do 100 meters warm-up boom, then straight into it, uh, so 3.8 k's, unless you do a bit of dry land exercise beforehand, um, but we were swimming early in the morning, so it's just a case of 100 metres warm up and then boom, straight into it. The bike ride, um, is 180 k's, the way um, I generally suggest to people to do it is you do a bit of a warm up and then probably do about 150 to 160 kilometres at race effort, and then the last bit you can do as a little bit of a warm down. Um, you, if you do really want to challenge yourself, you could build into it a little bit. Um, but the other key thing is to make sure, and I've said this over the last few weeks, to try to simulate your course a little bit. If you live somewhere where it's flat, then uh, trying to simulate some hills by sort of doing some some bigger gear work. If you live somewhere where it's hilly, then you've just got to decide whether or not you want to try doing it on the, the trainer or not. Um, pretty challenging doing 180 k's on the trainer. But if you live somewhere where it is just hilly and you've got it's hills, 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 Unfortunately, you just got to suck it up, and maybe you don't do 180, maybe you do 150, but you've got to get used to constant power on the pedals rather than just sort of. The problem uh, with hills is you don't really have that, do you? Because you've got the downhills. Oh yeah, you know. So, so. You know, if you live in a really heavy place and you're training for a flat course, you got to learn to love that trainer, and not all the time, but you need to do. And it know. amazes me. I was talking to someone the other day, the kind of specificity of training, which is you know, says if you're training for a goal, train specifically for that goal, and like the amount of people do too much hill running. You know, because they find it's an easier way to do but your long run. biking too, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's like, I get it. Getting the hills, it's mentally so much fun to run the hills. Too. But if you're running a flat marathon, mm. you meant to be doing flat running as the majority of your running. So, yeah, so like for, for my build-up, I would say first half of my running was typically hills and then flat. So yep. I might do, if it was going to do a two-hour run, two and a half hours, it might be an hour to an hour and a half in the hills and then flat. Um, but the more recent ones are all are all pretty much flat maybe some undulations yeah. but not not you know you're totally right the load on your legs is significantly well, we're just holding the same body position for a long time you know yeah. like hills you move slightly differently don't you and so yeah. and also just mentally because hill running is funny because it's often more physically challenging but just the 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 kind of stimulant factor of it mm. means it's mentally more easier mm. um so you know just running down a straight road you know there's an art form to it yep 
A couple of alternatives, and, and you do need to think about this if you're somebody who struggles a bit with the, the endurance running and you know that the run is more of a survival test than, than, than anything and you really need to focus on making sure you turn up to the race uh, not broken. You know, a three-hour run is quite a long run, so you could consider breaking that into two, you know, maybe doing two hours in the morning, one hour in the evening, if that's going to reduce your injury risk, um, which it will do for a lot of people. It's quite a, it's quite, it is bloody difficult doing double runs. It's not something I enjoy doing and have done a lot of but it does reduce the, the risk of injury. It's that, that third hour of running is where you're going to do a little bit of damage, which is good and bad, um, but splitting that run up is is, is, a, is an option. So the way that I executed it, uh, and a few tips from, from me, um, generally try to make these sessions not easier, and I'll go into what I mean by that in a moment. So to start with, with the swim, you know, I love my form goggles, and what it's great with them, they can keep you on pace and you can just bang out the pace all the way through. However, not going to use them in, in, a, in a race and you've got to, got to do your race more by feel, which you guys all know. So in this particular case, I didn't wear the form goggles for the swim and just swam by feel um, and came out around about what I expected to do, which was, which was good. Um, in terms of the bike, I like to save my race gear for race day unless you're doing any testing so I don't have race wheels on when I go out training I don't use all the fancy race gear um, the only thing that I did test on Saturday when I did mine was to test an aero helmet um, it got a bloody bee inside my helmet at one oh, stage oh <laughs> no. but you're panicking aren't you I was just like whipped off this visor and th- thankfully it, it flew away so I try to save all my race gear for race day unless doing any testing um, the other thing that I was going to say about the, the run is an alternative that I took last week normally I say swim Friday bike Saturday run Sunday because I'm dealing with a little bit of a glute issue that's given me a bit of grief and it comes on a bit more and I'm in a fatigued state I actually did end up doing my run midweek just so I wasn't going to do it in fatigued state and to make sure or give myself the best opportunity to get through it um, normally I wouldn't do that but that's something else to consider if you are carrying a little bit of an injury and you're a bit worried, um, you, you just need to make sure you do it far enough away that you're going to be fresh enough for Saturday. So I did mine on Wednesday, which meant my legs were pretty cooked for Thursday and Friday, but by the time I got to Saturday, it was it was all right. Uh, the way that I actually structured my run was to do it as a build run rather than uh, just doing it at Ironman pace. Uh, so the way I structured it was I think I did the first 10K at, you're just cruising. Second 10k was uh, 430s. Third 10k was 420s, and the last 10k was intended to be about 4 410 per k, which is a little bit quicker than race pace. So I was really just trying to challenge myself to run a little bit quicker than race pace when I was in a fatigued state, and also because I was just nursing this little bit of injury, I was just being a little bit cautious. Okay. Um, Somebody else copied my workout uh, last week as well, f- uh, favorite friend of the show, the Albinator, and he uh, he had the old music on, and I sent him a little post afterwards saying, you know, music is good. Music is no doubt whatsoever is going to make your performance significantly better. Yep. You love your music. I enjoy music when yep. I'm training, but it is going to make it easier, and you can't do it on race day. So I was running through, and I was a bit getting a bit over it going, some music could be really good about now. And the, and the argument I have for people who say, but you don't use it on race day, is on race day you've got other stimulants. Mm. You know, mm. on race day you've got other athletes around, you've got crowds, mm-hmm. you know, it's a different thing. And I always just think, what's going to help me perform in my training? Because if, if you mm-hmm. train better, mm-hmm. 
you're going to be a fitter athlete for your race day. Yep, totally get that point. And and so you just got to get that balance right between making it easier for yourself or like I wanted to make it mentally challenging for myself. Yep. And so uh, it was a bit of a struggle to, towards the end. Uh, the other thing that I did, I just wear my regular shoes rather than, well, no, I did, I wore my regular shoes for 35Ks. Why did you change them? <laughs> so what happened was uh, I was going through my run First 10K was fantastic. Was, I was like, oh, this is actually a bit, bit too quick. You know, yep. it was basically running the same pace that I was wanting to run the second 10K, but I said, I'm just running by feel. It's okay. Second 10, 10K was pretty straightforward. Third 10K was, you know, starting to, it was starting to get a little bit harder. It kind of felt a bit like what it would be like in an Ironman race when you're feeling quite good early yep. in the run. And then got to the last 10K, I was going, oh, I've gone a little bit light on the nutrition here. This is getting a bit of a struggle. My feet are getting a bit sore. <laughs> I need some new shoes. And then I got to about 30, Stopped at the shoe shop, bought some shoes. <laughs> yeah, got to 35K and I was really close to home. I was like, shit, I'm not going to make this if I don't get an emergency gel. And uh, so ran home, got the emergency caffeinated gel and popped that. And I thought, I'm just going to chuck the old carbon shoes on for the last, uh, last 6K. What was that like? Significant to change at difference. that moment? Oh, massive change in terms of feeling because my feet were getting quite sore at that stage my running shoes are at the end of their tether yep. I've got a new pair sitting there waiting yeah, it's a funny I'm just going to trash yeah. this last pair into my, my shoe can we be careful about because I, I get injured if I go too long yes yeah yeah so I was right on that edge chucked them on and they're just so cushioned I've got the new balance ones and it just felt spongy and uh, uh, the next few nice. K's were significantly easier um, mentally it, was that good as well Oh yeah, 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 and then the caffeine gel started to kick in. Then I was fine. It was it was no problems. Um, so, and then the other thing I do with my run is I do stick with the the run walk all the way through. So three k running, forty five about forty five seconds um, break. Didn't walk every single time because I tended to time my breaks with a with an aid station as well. So if I pulled into a into a water fountain, I didn't take my break for my walk break for that. But yep. um, overall. No, all three. Got to say, with the bike, uh, I had a question here from somebody. Hope you're doing well. I continue to enjoy the podcast every week, and in particular, your build to rote. I did it last year. Amazing, but very hot. Look at the weather forecast. It's getting pretty toasty over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up some UCAN from you guys a couple of years ago and be interested to hear a bit more on the podcast about it, particularly as there is a note with my last order that I hadn't seen before that advised not to use alongside high sugar or carb products. I do use it with other high, high carb products uh, in general, so interested to hear your thoughts and experiences as I build towards Ironman Portugal later in the year from Gareth. So, so let's just take a step back. For those who know nothing about UCAN, what is it and how does it work? So you can is designed to be a so it's a it's a it's a well they've got bars they've got all sorts of things these days but traditionally for most triathletes it's a drink but it's a very different texture it's kind of it's not like a milkshake but it's sort yeah. of a cross between a a sports drink and a milkshake somewhere sort of a weird place in the middle yep. quite a chalky sort of flavour but thicker than what you'll get from a sports drink and totally different flavour it's not giving you anywhere as much carbs as a sports drink um. Or, or you know like an infinite or a morton or, or something like that but the idea is it's trying to keep your blood sugar um, a lot more even and try to help you sort of adapt to using your fat stores a little bit more as well so sort of just trying to keep you a lot more flat line when you take um, sports nutrition you know you're going to be you know, spiking your blood sugar all the time as you take it and then you just got to kind of keep that spike relatively high as you're sort of going through the race so Back. So do you use it with 
other right. products that are. So the way that I structured this and the way that I did it at the weekend was I have uh, a bottle of UCAN in my first sort of 45 minutes or so and that's all I'll be taking. Um, so I won't be mixing it in with any other nutrition. It's just getting that UCAN in and then I'll switch over to... On the bike. On the bike, switching over to using... Um, uh, infinite and what I used on Saturday was I used a mix that's got 90 grams of carbohydrates in it and so I went first bottle 45 minutes and then I went through however many servings maybe three and a half four bottles worth of infinite and that was 90 grams per hour uh, roughly 90 grams per hour 90 grams per bottle and then the, the only things I supplemented on top of that was I had a half a bar I may have had a gel can't remember if I had a gel or not gotta say Never felt as fresh coming off the bike as I said. Within an hour, I was after doing 180k. I was in the driveway, water blasting. It's just a, amazing uh, that but I. But you said on the next day you've you've got a bit flat on nutrition. No, that was my run that was yeah, earlier mean. in the week. Oh, early in the week. Yeah, no, okay. I didn't do swim bike run. I did run early in the week and then did swim bike. Oh, well, okay. So you didn't do it over three days. I, I didn't. The other guys that I coach uh, okay. programs. And you, know, you would like to normally? Normally would, but because of my niggle, I was like a bit suspect. Okay. I actually, listened to the, the Colonel Kylie Cox. She oh, said, "Don't do a fatigue state this week. Just try it a little bit different." And okay. it worked. Got through a marathon. But even then, you still were low on nutrition. That one there, I was. So what was happened there? Poor, poor planning. Well, okay. a little bit of poor planning. I thought it'd be okay. I was having a gel. What do you do on your run traditionally? In iron distance race, I'll have a gel every seven k's. Okay. And this in a that run, I think I took one every ten k's, which just wasn't quite and enough. So no, you can. No, you can when I'm running. Yeah. Uh, and I guess to, uh, to answer Gareth's question, the rationale behind that is uh, purely practical reasons. So some athletes do go almost exclusively on you can or for, for a lot longer than I can it's just a case of being able to carry yeah. carry all that shit uh, it's a different flavour as well so I'd encourage people to, play it, to try it but I think you're right Gareth and in terms of their advice I wouldn't be chugging away on you can and a sports drink at the same time it's like I'd be going you can for as long as you're going on it and then you switch over. Okay. Um, probably so wouldn't be a bad idea at the start of the run if, if you had the practicalities and the, the, the uh, away. Would it feel funny that. putting it on for the run? Because uh, the texture is a little bit... Uh, well, no, I'd, I'd be taking it in T1. You'd basically grab your bottle in, in, uh, sorry, in T2 and then you'd be chugging it early in the run and then just ditch that bottle. And it wouldn't uh, feel funny. It wouldn't be funny in the gut or Well, as long as, you, as long as it wasn't warm. It's disgusting when it gets warm. Is it? Yeah. It's like milkshake. So it's a good milk. product. Um, and as I said... but. Uh, the other thing is, yeah, you've got to do enough testing as, uh, to go. Yeah, you wouldn't I'm only, doing, I'm only doing an Ironman once for me. I haven't done an Ironman for five years. It's been five years. Uh, well, 2017 was the last one, uh, time I raced. So, really, is it that long? Kind of want to stick with the things that have sort of worked in the past. Wow. So, there we go. That was the uh, Iron but, Distance. But I think that's a really important as well. What John kind of said there is this, you know, as we talked about earlier around, you know, what's your nutrition plan? There's these formulas. Your job is to figure out what works for you and mm. you copy and paste. Once mm. you've got your formula, you know, like you, if it works, it works. And we're all a little bit different. So if it doesn't it. work, try saying a bit different. And you can is, is a good product. They don't sponsor char or anything like that anymore. Yes, um, ketosis. Sorry? Do you ever do ketosis still? Uh, no. That's another 18 month thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I think all that sort of low carb, high fat sort of works if you, but it's. it's why, why not? Sorry? Why aren't you? Uh, it's just a hassle. I just want to eat. Yeah. yeah. And just want to fit in with family and um, yeah, just want to eat when I want to eat. But yeah, I, 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 found it, it, I found it worked really well for me personally. Um, 
but it's just a bit of a hassle. Yeah. It's with, with things like that, isn't it? You but know, for other people, if you if you live by yourself or you live with a partner who's into it, straightforward, it's easy. But when you don't, it's a hassle. It's a hassle. And I love bread and I love potato chips and I love good muesli. And it's like weighing it up, I don't want to give those things up. And the benefit wasn't that great. The benefit was pretty good. And I'm the one thing that's really pissing me off, like I'm Here we go. going really well with my bike <laughs> and my run, but I'm a fatty and I'm not happy about it. And that's within reason. I okay, know I'm I, not fat mate, and I don't have mate, a complex about it. It's got anorexia. No but, joking. But, but I've more got importantly, flab what, on my guts. What, what, what's like, the, we, what's how much weight do you need to lose? Oh, it's, it's not, it's not it's heaps just leanness. of weight. It's just leanness. And it's just because I'm... Do you think it's an age thing? Oh, definitely it's an age thing. But it's also I'm a bit sloppy with... Not that I eat really good, I just eat too much. Because I'm a good eater, and I, I twice a week I eat too much. Mm. Saturday night, Friday, mm. you know, like so Friday and even Friday, I'll have we'll go out for lunch. I'll eat a little bit too much at lunch and have a bag of chips. Mm. Basically, mm. that's all we eat. That's too much. And then Friday, I don't have dinner, so mm. I kind of cancel out. So I probably don't eat too much. It's just probably not the greatest, greatest choices. Saturday night, if we're going out, I'm going crazy. Yeah. Outside of there, I'm a great eater, mm. um, and I exercise a lot, and I've got a good balance of exercise. Um, but I'm definitely not as lean as I was when I was younger. It's just a lot harder to shift. Yeah, and I don't really care to chase it. Mm. You know, like I'm still bloody healthy. You know, still yeah, good, that's you know. the thing. It's about balance. I really want to shift it. Do I really want to put that amount of yeah, effort in? Yeah. Uh, I like my food. I've still got, I've still got light six pack. No, that ain't happening. <laughs> Jelly belly for me. Jelly belly. Okay, John, I think we can flag that one. Uh, let's go into, wait a second, just as we kind of, what big sessions do you have to do before you go? Uh, what was Half Ironman simulation, that's pretty much it. So I'm the, One to go. Yep, so I'll talk about that this next week, but I'm doing Half Ironman at Ironman Effort uh, this Friday, and then the weekend after that will be uh, like a really hard Olympic distance effort, and that's pretty much it. So I've pretty much done, well, Saturday, Friday will be still a five-hour session or four-and-a-half-hour session, but um, the work has been done. What's your, what's your hardest running you'll do? Like what pace is it and what kind of time frame? Uh, I haven't done a lot of hard running. Um, like that, the, the marathon, that marathon the other day was. Yeah, but was like quite you don't do like a track session where you're really mixing out. No, I'm, I'm avoiding that sort of stuff. Just because um, of risk. Just I want to be efficient, and that, that stuff's really good for you. Totally yep. get it. But I've just got to try to balance things up, and I'll get a lot more trash from that, and then then that'll have a really negative impact on my bike, my cycling. Yeah, cycling's more important for me. Okay, good times. Mm. Oh, it's, it's not long now, team. We'll be able to see how John goes in the race in a few weeks from now. But before then, let's talk about winner of the week. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, number five. Number five. Let's just see if they did the Warriors game right, had about right, five no, streakers. Go again because they just. Uh, oh, okay, number six. No, it's Joe Skipper. Huh. Yeah, well, let's go, Joe. Uh, Joe Skipper, well, Tempo Skipper. He's not Joe Skipper anymore. Uh, Twenty-six hours of training. That's moving time for Joe Skipper. Off nineteen activities. Did three hours twenty-three on the bike. Sixteen hours thirty uh, on uh, three hours twenty-three swimming. Sixteen hours thirty on the bike, and six hours and six minutes of running. So you kind of think if you're doing twenty-six hours of moving time. Probably you're probably getting up towards. 28, 29 hours of actual, probably maybe even 30 hours of training because, you know, you get shafted with the swim. It's only moving time with, with your swimming. Um, and so Joe is on a bit of a mission because he's had a pretty shitty start of the year. Um, pretty sure he's going to rote. Uh, he's, had a, he had a, he's had a great couple of years. He has, but he's a dad now. Um, so Do you think that's the, the big dads, factor? Sorry? Do you think that is the factor? No. 
No, not really. It'd, oh. it'd be a factor. So you well, got well, the, one the criticism the people said of us is when we ask female athletes how has it changed your life, mm-hmm. we never ask the male athletes. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, and, and and you're saying he hasn't had the greatest year based on what he's done over the last few years up to this moment. Start the year. And admittedly, it's only a first couple of months of the year. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how much of a factor that is. Yeah, we got you got a couple of new dads uh, at the moment. So you got. Joe Skipper, you've got uh, Lionel Sanders, and uh, pretty sure Sam Long as well has either recently had a kid or is uh, about to have a kid. But, do, you think, so, do you think, you know, because for some people, like Sanders seems like he's got a few demons, mm-hmm. you know, like he's, you know, and he's worked through a lot of his demons, and, and I don't follow Sanders, so I don't know, you know, I'm making some pretty big statements here. Um, and then some, for a lot of people like that, they have the kid and it's quite life transforming for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it can also be helps people let go of demons. Mm-hmm. Do you think, in some ways, that maybe helps, maybe loses motivation for some athletes? Definitely, some athletes. Not so. saying that's the case for Sanders, and no. and, uh, and I don't know him well enough to make that judgment called around the demons and stuff. But obviously, he had a pretty rough history, yeah. And he's moved forward from it, and the guy's an absolute legend. So much respect for him. Um, but I'm just kind of curious, like you know, we talk about that Peter Reed interview we did when his father said you know, accept your success and how he lost motivation. And so for a lot of athletes, just that priority shift, mm. you know, can be a big shifter in their motivation as well. Yeah, he isn't. He's a, it's so far Lionel Sanders this season is second at Gulf Coast, uh, fourth at St. George. And yes, he's not, uh, hasn't really, hasn't really been on fire when, for a while, old Lionel Sanders. He got fourth at Indian Wells last year, bombed out in Hawaii, bombed out at the US Open, did really well at the Collins Cup. But, um, hasn't really been on fire since the start of last year in 2012 when he got second at the World Ironman Championships in St. George and won 70.3 Mont Tremblant. So, yeah, maybe this will give him the spark that'll... Uh, well, well, he is, can he he is getting on. He's, I suppose he's, he can go the other way. It can become a real motivator as well, can't yeah, it? Yeah. You know? uh, and Joe Skipper, he's done the World Long Distance Champs that went terribly, pulled out of uh, Ironman Texas. But last year, he won Ironman Arizona, won Ironman Wales, did the sub eight, got fifth in Hawaii. So he had a... St- Dally year last year. Uh, well, but anyway, look, at, look at comparisons. Um, I think he's a better runner than I am. Just slightly? Yeah. He's re, he, based on this, he's, well, that's half marathon time. Now, it might be estimates. Definitely estimates. 112 is not that fast. Yeah, this estimates thing's a load of shit. <laughs> it's a load of shit. Because it says 228 for Joe Skipper, and then it says 318 for me. And 318? Yeah, for a marathon. I ran a bloody marathon when I did this training last week. Did 42.2 Ks and did three hours and seven minutes. Surely your marathon time is in there from yeah. his previous marathon. Uh, I don't know if that was a lo- that marathon, that good marathon I did, that was a long was time it, ago. What did you do? 2.38. Yeah. Uh, and that was 2007 or something like that. Okay. It was a long time ago. For this kind of technology. Yeah, so anyway, Joe Skipper is uh, still based over in Norwich, I think it is. Um, uh, and How old is Joe? Uh, Joe is... Have you got the PTO there? Yep. Joe is 35. Okay, so he's still a few more peak years in front of him. Yep. Yep. He's in that challenging spot where, you know, can their swim weakness still allow them to, to be crushing it? Uh and in terms of the training Joe did last week, oh dear, hold on, give me a second. Oh, I'll pause, I'll pause. And we are back. Righty ho, so Joe Skipper kicked off his week with a 42 kilometre ride. He had an evening swim. 
845 metres, took him 56 minutes. Jeez, he's got to pick up his game a little bit there. That's a bit of a weakness. We know it's a weakness, but come on, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Then he did a morning run, 14Ks, averaging 438s. That's uh, not particularly fast. It must have been cruising. And then he did thumping the tunes and legs shaking like a shitting dog bike ride where he did another 41Ks with some dude with a big white beard. Uh, then he had another afternoon swim, did a little bit better this time, swam 3.4k in 46 minutes, um, and then did a 137 kilometer ride, so he's only big juicy ones, did a 6.6k run. He's averaging then, about 67 hours of running a week. Yeah, well, then he did a 16k run, uh, tempo run, averaging 3 minutes 24 per k pace, that's pretty solid, for 16, for 10, good old 10 miler. Did another little warm down run there. What else did he do? Race pace session. Did 109 kilometers. Let's look at that one because really pleased with how it felt and the numbers. Probably one of my best sessions on the bike. 109 kilometers, 833 meters, 863 meters of training. Average power, 304 watts. Uh, Average speed, 38.9 kilometers per hour. That's fair moving for 109 kilometres. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he moves. So yeah, there you yeah. go. Joe yeah. Skipper, let's see if he did, did anything else. That was about it. Uh, Here's our winner of the week. week. Okay, John, a quiz question. That's a good one. Now, was it the first year she did Cone of the Year that Marinda won it? That's the question. Yes. Yeah, so, yes, I think that is So correct. she got second. Yeah. We know that. And that was one of the greatest performances of all time by Marinda Caffrey. She was miles back, wasn't she? I think it was 12 minutes. Yeah. It may have been even more. And we were standing on the corner. We would have said this before. Standing on the corner. Hot, hot corner. It's the bottom of Polani uh, Hill. She ran past. Said, Good luck. Not picking that pace up. <laughs> Came past. 10k later. Still going the same pace. <laughs> she was unbelievable. So yeah, I'm going to say... We got it. No, you got it. Let's work it. Methodically work backwards. So how many times has Danielle refined? Five, maybe? Four. Four or five. Um, and if you included uh, St. George, she won St. George, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She annihilated yeah. everybody. So I'm, I'm going to call it five that she's okay. got. Might be four. She's definitely had a couple of misses. Yep. So that's so and the six, first one seven, was a miss. If, if it's at least seven years. There was no COVID race. That's maybe eight at least. So, so you're going to say nine years ago. Well, that's 2015. I re- I reckon it was maybe before that. I'm going to go. It wasn't the year I did win 2014. Who won that year? Were you, maybe you were racing that year? No, no. Uh, no, Chris, I'm sure Chrissy won the year. I'm going to go 2015. Okay, just to be contrarian, I'm going to say 2014. Contrarian. 2014. Okay, what are you guys guessing? She's down at 10th in the rankings now, good old Daniela Reef. Okay, what is it? What is it? What is it? So, PTO. God, you better not be right. <laughs> There's a lot of ones there. She, yeah, well, let's be honest, she's a bloody rock star. Uh, uh, she got second in 2014. There we and go. she won in 2015. So I got it right. That's what I said, wasn't it? What was, it, what was the question? What year did... Oh, what yeah, was her first I year? I, I was going for the first one. No, you weren't. I, I was actually. Read the question. <laughs> I did not read the question correctly. What did you it, read what was the question. The, what year did Daniela Reef first do Kona yeah. and what did you place? Yes, you got it second. We both got that right. 
And I got the year I, right as I well. I went for the win. I would have got it right if I'd bloody <laughs> read your own question. My own question. <laughs> Far out, she's got a lot of wins. That would go down as one of the greatest Ironman performances of all time, that run of Miranda's. Like, that was... Like, even I remember we were out on... Um, down by the cafe there, down by Alehi Drive, down by... In the shaded section there. Yeah. And I remember getting updates. And there was a guy from Australia, a guy called Peter, I remember his name was. Lovely guy, a bit of a character. And we were like, there's no way she can do this. And it just kept getting closer and closer. And Daniela came in with a big rep, didn't she? Well, she must have been Rachel Joyce. She was a couple of minutes in front of Rachel Joyce. So she had, she put nine minutes into Miranda Carfrey on the bike in about three and a bit. Yes, yeah, so it was, must have been about 12 minute lead. Uh, and Miranda Carfrey ran a 2.50.26. And it wasn't a cold day because we were there. And we were standing on the sidelines, it was bloody warm. Danielle Reef got second, she was two minutes back, and then another uh, sort of minute and a half back to Rachel Joyce. What was the year? Did Rachel get second one year? Remember she was yes, leading? She did. What she, year was that? And she I'm was pretty gosh. sure that was the year that Leander Cave won it. Oh, yeah, you're I'm probably right. Pretty sure. She got second in 2015. Now, that would be the year that uh, Daniela won it. Daniela won it. But she was in front, wasn't she? Did, did Daniela have a boat mechanic or something? No, it must have been another year. Oh. Uh. There was one year where... Oh, she got second in 2013 as well. Was that when Leander won it? That was when Miranda Carfrey won it. She ran a 250 then as well. I remember it was one year, Rachel, when being she was the definitely waterfront. Yeah, she was in yeah, front there. She was there. just devastated. Yeah. Because she, she, had she lost by five minutes that, that, that year though. Yeah. Well, well, maybe it was another year. I don't know. But um, what's she doing now? Because uh, she wasn't baby, part of the PTO, baby. wasn't she? Had, she? she had one baby. Lovely person. She was... Mm. Great, lovely, lovely person. Okay, John, what's the swim set? Uh, swim set this morning was a bit of recovery swim. We did 300 warm up, then 300 doing kick drill free. Then we did three 100s IM, and then uh, first easy main set was four 25s one arm drill, 300 easy swimming, and two 25s fast. Did that twice through 100 IM. And then last little main set was nine one hundreds to send one to three, four to six, seven to nine with uh, about 10, 15 seconds rest. 200 warm down, 3K, cruisy one. Okay, let's go to our patrons. You go first, Jumbo. We have Joel Sensei Bell, who oh does not like the indoor trainer. No, he does not a waste of money, apparently. Uh, Robert Cuddles Evans. And Rob, the detail deliverer, Gray. And if you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. You can get the show emailed to you there as well. Becoming a patron supports this show, and hopefully it's a good part of your triathlon week. And chucking a few dollars your way, our way is just a really great way to support what we do. Also, if you want some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. If you want to check out any of my things. Now, one of my podcasts got put in the feed this week accidentally. My, my person who does my podcast accidentally put in our feed, but it's been deleted. So if you see that, you can't actually play it. Murray, Murray even sent me a text. Right. <laughs> Don't be listening to that shit, Devin. Yeah, All I care about is I am talk. I only, I only, basically, I'd send out a video. I kind of stopped doing my podcast and I just send out my video as a podcast. Um, I got really good feedback. So if you want to listen to it, go check it out. Um, I, did a, I did a talk on when insecurity works against you. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give an example. So reading out loud mm-hmm. is like I couldn't read it all as a kid. Mm-hmm. I couldn't spell it or I couldn't spell the. And so when I first, like I remember first doing the show and having to read stuff was mm-hmm. so insecure, insecure, inducing experience for me. And often in areas of our life, 
And another example for me is my piano playing. I have areas where I have insecurity. So one is my ability to sight read or listen by ear. You know, mm-hmm. those two. Sight reading is not so bad because it's just a skill I'm acquiring. But listening by ear is something that I just, like some people, you can train it. Some people have it, some people don't. But you can train it. And when I'm listening by ear, I can just go to insecurity, which is you're not good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not good at this. And this is what will happen when I'd ever read out loud in the past. I would be, you know, you suck at reading out loud. And so now with reading, I didn't actually know the process. Like mm-hmm. I remember I remember I once read a, a speed reading book when I was younger. And I, like I never knew to look ahead, mm-hmm. like which is 101 reading. I never mm-hmm. knew that you actually look ahead. Like to see, you, you know, you, when you're reading out loud, you're actually seeing the words five words ahead of you. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. And so so I didn't even know the skill at first. So the first thing I needed to do with reading was just to understand the skill of how I'd have to work through a process to read out loud. Um, but even when I found it, once I'd also understood the skill or maybe even practiced it a little bit, I just went to insecurity. Mm-hmm. So any moment I'd stand up in front of people, or even on this podcast, if I ever had to read out loud, I would just go into insecurity. So in that moment of insecurity, all process fell out the back door, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's happens for a lot of us in times when we have moments of insecurity. You going to say something? Oh, it was just, it's harks back to what we sort of talked about last week with uh, the mental conditioning and like when people start to panic in the swim, I'd imagine that's... Yeah, yeah, similar. I'm not a good or, swimmer. Or when the wheels start to come off at some stage in the race, you just go, oh, here we go again. Yeah, yeah, and so that story of insecurity. And so like for me, like right now, it's not so, it's like with my piano playing, I've spent a lot of time developing what are the skills a, a good ear player would have. And I've kind of written those skills down. So here's the process that I need to have. And what I'm learning is I'm just trying to learn to catch the moment when my insecure thoughts come through. Mm. And because what I want to do is I want to minimize time and in insecure thoughts. Because what happens when I go to insecure thoughts is I move away from process. I tend to do poorly and I tend to quit, quit, quit quickly. Mm-hmm. So insecure thoughts actually lead to actions which reinforce insecure thoughts. Mm-hmm. Because if I lose process, think I'm not good at it and quit quickly, that tells me you'll never be good at this. And so what I'm learning is that understanding my process, understanding the insecurity I have, and then catching the moment in practice where the insecure thought comes. And then, you know, kind of like we wouldn't erase as good, then go, okay, well, no, you know, okay, listen to the baseline because that's kind of something you'll do when you're, you're trying to find the base, which will give you the keys. Listen to the melody, try to figure out the scale. So, you know, these are the steps I need to go through, not the insecure thoughts. Um, and I'm finding it's really helping me. And I wouldn't say I'm necessarily that much better at learning by ear yet, but I'm much better at sticking in the process, hmm. you know. And, and if I can trust that I spend time in process, I'll get better. Eventually, you know, like Porno. Porno is an amazing inst- a musician. He's got an ear like he can just listen to anything and play it straight away. I don't know what level I'll get to, but there's levels I'll be better at moving forward. So that's kind of what that was about. So if you are listening to this and you kind of feel, you you know, there's an area of your life, I would say, first of all, learn the process that someone who's good at that area has. So for me, with reading, I was learning, okay, shit, you need to look further ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the things you want to think about. Secondly, understand the insecurities that you have. And then when you go into practice time, be aware of when those insecurities will be, appear. Mm-hmm. Then catch those insecurities when you're, when you're doing the practice and go, okay, this isn't helping me. And then maybe re-identify the process you need to be working on. And what, what I've done is I've actually written down the process. Oh, yeah. You know, so I have the process written down as I'm practicing. Okay, here's the thing you want to be thinking about. And so if I feel the insecurity, just, oh, no, go back to listening to the bass. Go back to this, this, this and that. 
it's all part of the plan. Same for me. If I've, if I've got, you know, the moments of frailty that come into the race, it's just like, okay, when that happens, you're doing boom, 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 boom. And then you carry on. And then you might might come up another 5K later. And then it's just like boom, boom, boom. And also that technique I talked about from that book, Chatter by Ethan Cross, uh, which was going to the third person, which is it, kind of using a commentator. Oh, yeah. I love that. I use it so much. Yeah, It's such a powerful tool because it just removes you out of the situation mm-hmm. and it just sees the problem for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you haven't, highly recommend getting his book. It's an easy read. Chatter, I think it's Ethan Cross with a K. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very good book. Anyway, John, any goss? What's your goss? to my first ever cyclocross race at the weekend. So what's cyclocross? Cyclocross, for those that don't know, it's big in Europe. Uh, it's sort of what you do in the winter. You're basically doing cross-country cycling. So it's so not on mountain, a mountain bike? It's, it, you can do it on a mountain bike, but it's not ready. You have to go and get another bike. Like a hybrid? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of like a hybrid. Yeah, thicker uh, wheels. And so thicker tyres, gravel bikes. You can use gravel bikes doing cross stuff as well. Thomas wanted to go and do one. We did it. They've got a really good scene down here. It was like hundreds where, of Where they do it? They do it at different places, but this one was out just in this sort of park um, by, by a lake and it went up and down. It was like a circuit that I think they was taking about seven minutes to do and you do, you basically race for 50 minutes and oh, just so go, snakes. you just go max effort for 50 minutes. Wow. And, and so you don't really know where you are because you're lapping people and stuff and you just got to do as many laps. Did you, you do it? No, I was spectating. I was having fish and chips on the sideline. <laughs> um, so Hot dog. There's a, a guy riding along that comes to one of my sessions. And I was like, you want a chip? Like, that probably wasn't the most encouraging thing that I could have said. Could have been a little more constructive. Um, but it was a good How'd Thomas go? Well, he, he, he was leading early on after starting a bit far back. And his, you could see his ring piece was hanging out. Oh. And I was like, mate, you've done 10 minutes. <laughs> You got forty <laughs> go. Charlie Brown. And and you just saw a couple of big end up fifth, which was really good. It was his first yeah. time racing, but he didn't get the pacing particularly um amazingly well done. Whereas other a couple of the adults, you could see all the young whippersnappers just caning it at the beginning. <laughs> and these adults are like right oh. and then they just they mowed them down towards the end. So that was uh, that was interesting. It looks something you'd be interested in doing? Uh bit of fun? Yeah. I am mean, gonna have to buy another bike at some stage. Uh Great for your bike skills. Appreciate. We've just got a really good setup here. There's yep. just and it's low key, family friendly, cheap to enter. Um, so yes, and if you crash, soft landing, which yeah, is true. which is nice. Um, still, you're crashing. You're still crashing. But Were no, there many crashes? Uh, yeah, Tom fell off like three times. Okay. Um, so I think it's fantastic for your bike skills. Fantastic for pushing hard. Great for just doing something a bit different, getting out of your comfort zone. Uh, so I think it'd be really good for most triathletes, especially if you've got a scene where you are, and especially if you are basically an indoor rider, you need to work on your outdoor skills. I think it would be really, really cool. Off-season, though, you wouldn't want to do it in the middle of the one season. One thing I did on, one of my good mates, Duncan, lives literally just down there. We hadn't seen each other for a while, so I texted him Sunday morning and said, why don't we walk up the mountain bike park? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, we've got this mountain bike park, which we've probably talked about before, which is probably a K away from me as the bird flies. Um, and there's a walk where you walk up and you can catch the, the chairlift back down. So it's a nice hour walk, mm-hmm. or maybe an hour 20. Um, oh my God, that place is packed. Yeah, I haven't been like I haven't been. Joe and I've walked that walk quite a few times, but it's often like on a Friday morning, so like no one's there. It, mate, it is chocker. Yeah, it's so many people were there. Like it was awesome. Like it, mm. you know, I love you know, like highs of energy of people when they're doing something that's really cool. 
Mm-hmm. You know, now mountain biking is not my world, mm-hmm. um, but just like, families, kids, hardcore, all levels, hundreds and hundreds of people there. The car park was packed. Mm. I was just like, what a cool, what a cool it resource for our city. Nice weekend. Yeah, it was perfect for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but it was just like pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never goss? No, that's about it. I think. Um, Went to the court theatre on Friday night. That was oh, good. how was it? That was good. Well, it was it was a play. What was it called? Uh, Appropriate. That's what it was called. You don't. And you don't see. You're not, you're not selling it. No, it was it was good, but the problem was all all the characters you didn't like any of them. Oh. But it was a really good play and, re- and did enjoy it. But it was like I ha- you you're really annoying and they're supposed to be annoying and they were. It was just sort of a family feud. The whole play was about that, and I was like, God, you're annoying. <laughs> but was it was that, good. I was watching something like that. I can't remember what it was, but I was watching something like that and it was like. I just didn't like any of the characters, so I didn't mm. really want. Yeah, mm. do you have you been watching Succession? Well, I'm going to, have to give another go because everyone's raving about it. But it was similar. We I think we watched one episode, and I was like, "No, you need I to commit." Yeah, watch the series. Yeah, you know, you That's do right. need to commit. It's brilliant. Commit. The last episode's out now. Anyone listening, I'm not going to spoil it because I haven't actually seen the last episode. But it's oh my god, it's it's it, the acting, mm. the writing, just everything about it is mm. just. Absolutely phenomenal. So, Joe and I, I'm in that moment where I know the last episode's been out, so you can't go on the internet mm. because spoilers are going to be out there. Mm-hmm. But we won't watch it till Thursday, so it's going to be a hard week, you know. Mm. It's a bit of a struggle. It's all right. Look all at right. the mountains. Look at that. Beautiful mountains. I'm going to go do an FTP test now, Bevan. Oh, that sounds like fun. Mm. I'd love to Back join home. you. Yeah. yeah. Got a good crack. Yeah. See how it goes. What do you reckon you do? I think. When are you doing it? Do you start with a number you're aiming for? Yeah. Uh, I just want a really good hard effort, so I'm not too worried about the number as such. But uh, anything above 310 will be a good result. Does that, will, and if it's great, will you adjust your... No, because I know what I'm doing for long course. So I can, okay. my, my top end's rubbish and I'm not... Yeah, again, FTP test and all that stuff is a starting point, but this is more of a mental conditioning session nice. than worrying about what my numbers 20 are. 20 minutes? 20 minutes. Have you ever done an hour one? Yep. yep. What's that like? Difficult. <laughs> did, I did use music that because I was I was like I want to get the best number I can yeah. and I did use music and that made a and was it relative difference. to what you would have done for 20 you know based on the calculations yeah yeah, okay. yeah about 95% okay. mm-hmm. yeah tough did it on the road though it's good you need a, you need a road where you're not going to be stopping many times yeah. get on there and just crank it <laughs> good times well good luck right I'm Russ I'm Indo train hard train smart Kia Kaha. Kaha.